Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. So, for those of you who are going to start signaling to me, please take up an offering. We're going to do it at the end of the service. Um, because I want to teach you something first. Sorry, Chad. I didn't tell anybody what was going on today because I didn't really know. And, and so, it, Children's Church with the Stoltzes today, you know... You want to go, you don't want to go, what do you want to do? 15, 20 minutes or less longer, depends on what the Lord does. Uh, okay, then you just sit right there and hear this. I, I know that sometimes that as parents that you wonder, well, why don't they let the kids go? You know, sometimes it's just important for you to learn some things together. And you say, well, are our kids listening? Yeah, listen to your kids because what will happen is over the next week, they'll talk about it. They'll tell you what God did in their life. They'll say, hey, you know, when, when Pastor Glenn was up there or, or, or however they talk or when Pastor Tracy was up there and they'll begin to talk about what God did in their heart. So if you would, please, Jeremy, I'm not going to use what I prepared. Um, sorry, we'll, we'll, we'll pick that up. He always loves it when I do this. And I'm going to preach, Jeremy, from John chapter 6. And, and hopefully that's where I'll stay um, But guess what? So, I want to teach you something about today's service based on what Jesus taught his disciples. So here's the premise. If you want to receive what Jesus has, you got to go at it the same way Jesus went at it. If if you want to operate in the things of Jesus, you got to study his ways. Because that's never changing and so when you get in a, in a weird service like this and you say, dear God, was that ever bad? Yeah, I want to tell you how perfect it was. When there was no one else standing in front of me, we had no more communion elements in our bowl. Because David and Kristen were up here supporting who, uh, Neil and Peggy as they were praying. I said, and Neil said to me, he says, are you going to pray for them? I said, I don't know. And so I checked. And he said, no, they're just up there supporting because I, I didn't have any more elements. You say, well, that's just a small thing. Listen. When Jesus does things and shows you things, you got to do it according to the picture that God puts in front of you. Okay? And so we have, Tracy and I have struggled for years and years trying to figure out how to incorporate communion in a more meaningful and real way. And we knew that, that the traditions that many of us had where the elements were passed in a church this size, when you pass the elements, it takes 25 minutes. And then we all eat and drink together. But it loses some of it. And, and so today when you saw us and Larry and Sharon were ministering to people and Neil and Peggy were ministering to people and Tracy and I were ministering to people, I know that some of you felt like, boy, that took a long time. And I want to share a story with you so that you'll learn how to do life the way Jesus does life. Okay? Because you're going to have church services like this where you have the opportunity to leave here having not been changed. Because your experience didn't involve you and Jesus. It involved you and your attitude. You can thank me later. I mean, church is weird. If you're going to do what Jesus does, sometimes you're going to spit in somebody's eye and make a mud pie. And then ask him what he sees. He says, I see people walking around like trees. And so he prays again. That's one of my favorite stories. You're going to see Jesus giving people wet willies. 
A deaf and dumb man stood before him. Now this guy couldn't quite figure out what Jesus, because he wasn't communicative. And, and he was deaf. You know, it's kind of hard to tell people what you're going to do when they can't hear. So Jesus wet his finger, stuck it in his ear. Then he wet his finger and stuck it on his tongue. Well, no thanks. You leave a church service like that. Yeah, well, today the pastor spit on me. <laughs> if you miss it, you'll make it about the method. Not about the person. And don't make it about me, about what Jesus does. Right. And so in John chapter six, the Bible says, are you ready? Verse four. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. I want to teach on every word, but I just 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 keep going, Glenn. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip. Now stop for just a second. Jesus looked out over a congregation of people moving towards him. Not unlike what any pastor might find when he stands up here and goes, gee, God, we've been doing this for 40 years. Is there anything we should be doing differently? And this morning, you know, like I said, I just stand back there. And, and Tracy and I, again, we've talked and talked about this. How do we incorporate life-giving prayer to life-giving communion? And it hit me this morning. So I just wandered around and asked people to do it and, and, and said to some people, I need you to come into my line so I can pray for you and all that kind of stuff. And I knew, I knew when I said it, it was going to take a long time. I knew when I said it, it was going to take a long time. And if you're a person of tradition and you're a clock watcher, you know that I generally try and let you go around 1130. So that means you're going to have to listen to the next 30 minutes of my talking in five He saw a great multitude and he said to Philip, where shall we buy that these may eat? <coughs> you know, it's a long ways to get delivery to new life. You can't call Grubhub and say, hey, our preacher went a long time. And so you're down there texting on your phone going, please deliver 27 pizzas to new life. We'll pay you when you get here. And then you have them hold it out there until I'm done, right? I mean, that's a hard thing to do. And Jesus saw that happening. How many of you think it took a little while for this plan to take place? Because this is the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 men, their wives and the children. Could be as many as 15,000 to 20,000 people. I was in the restaurant business. I know how long it takes to serve 100 people. Or 500. We did 500 people one time at lunch and again five hours later at supper. I made homemade pie. Oh, thank you. Anybody hungry? I made homemade pie. <laughs> Apple, cherry, and peach for the evening meal. Coconut, chocolate, and banana for the lunch meal. Oh, it was so good. Wow. <laughs> we had ribeye steaks for the night meal with, with mixed vegetables and potatoes. Oh, it's so good. Are you hungry yet? <laughs> See, this is what happens. Life happens all around us. And Jesus sees these people. And there are 5,000 men, women, children on top of that. Verse 6. But this he said to test him, to test Philip. For he himself knew what he would do. <laughs> Did you understand what he just said? He said he puts you in an atmosphere of testing on a regular basis. 
Welcome to your today. Because you see, you could leave here going, well, that wasn't a normal service. Evidently, that wasn't what God wanted today. I'd like, I, I would love to be a normal pastor. Uh, not really. That's not true. I don't want to be a normal, you know. I want to be what God wants me to be, but it's hard because he sends us these things to test us. See, if you want to do things the way Jesus does things, you're going to have to live in the way Jesus does things. And sometimes what he does, he does stuff to test us. Now, how many of you know it's not an A plus B equals C kind of test? It's a test for your attitude. Look what, how Philip answers the question, verse 7. Philip answered him. See, Philip is answering him according to the question, which is a test. And so here's Philip's answer to the test question. But this he said to test in verse 7. Philip answered and said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone may have a little. So basically he says the better part of a year's worth of income would not provide for these people. Okay, so here's the question. When you come to church and Jesus knows what he's going to do to provide for you, is your motivation, what does it cost to go to the church? This guy, he didn't give the right answer because Jesus doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our money. He said, well, but doesn't the church? Well, Quite honestly, and I, I always get in trouble for saying this, and we have a board meeting on, on this Wednesday, so if this is my last Sunday, why, well, it's been a pleasure. Um, but but uh, we don't need your money. We don't need your money. You say, oh, that's a relief. Nope, your attitude's still showing. You don't give for the church. You give for you. Amen. That's not, that's not the story. See, I got off again. He says 200 denarii. Good part of a year's income wouldn't feed them. 20,000 people. $10 a plate. $200,000. Do the math. I don't know when the last time you went out to eat. But if you can take your family for $10 a plate, way to go. It might cost more than that. To go, it's two, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars to feed these twenty thousand people. All of a sudden, it became about the money. One of his disciples, verse eight, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, "There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fishes." This is the parent who reaches into the goodie bag that they brought for the kids to come to church on. So they could have a snack while the preacher's talking too long. And this is the parent who wants to eat out of the kid's bag. Because the preacher took too long. See, one person made it about the money. And another person made it about the food they had. So one says we don't have enough. The other says here's what we have. Both of them couldn't answer the question correctly. I'm going to help you answer the question. Two barley loaves and five barley loaves and two small fish but what are they among so many he says listen we not only don't have enough money but it's not about the money we also don't have enough food that we can steal from the kids verse 10 then Jesus said make the people sit down 
how does this fit in the story? How does getting you to sit down after a service just like we just had, where, I, you know, Tracy and I had communion so much today, we may not need lunch. We're like Paul's deal. Some of you come together just so you can eat. You know, wrong, wrong attitude, right? And so what God's trying to show us is you go through all these things and he says, make the people sit down. What did he do? After a time of potential disorder, he spoke order into their ranks. This is really important. What you get from this today will help you for the rest of your life. Because what I'm about to do is speak order into your life. Say, we, we did something completely unusual. And you say, are we going to do that next time? Yeah, that was a lot of fun today. I guess we'll do it again. You say, oh, good. I know what Sunday not to come to church. Yep, we're dealing with your attitude, aren't we? It takes a long time, humanly, to do what Jesus does. I mean, honestly, if you had to feed 20,000 people, you need a plan. You need a big plan and a fire and helpers and food and a good attitude. Verse 10, make the people sit down. He, he spoke structure. He spoke order. Probably this should be translated, make the men sit down. Probably he set the men down because the men in, in the grand scheme of a patriarchal society got the rest of the people in line. So again, when the, when the, the, the man of the house, the dad sat down and said, we're going to have supper together, everybody sit down kind of thing. It just brought order and structure to the, to the group. When you have a crazy opportunity to see God move, he always has order to go with it. Structure to go with it. Verse 10 now there was much grass in the place. I know you don't really realize this, but in this situation, the grass, the soft, lush place that God wanted these people to sit down are also like the chairs that this church provides for you. It's a nice place to sit. You say, if that's all you can get out of it, you can go, it's a nice place. Tracy and I have traveled some, and, and many of the missionaries will say to, the, to us when we show them, they'll ask about our church. So we'll show them pictures. In fact, Jeremy had to send me pictures to some country. I don't remember where. But, but I said, hey, send me some pictures because I'm preaching to all these pastors. And they say, what's your church like? And when I finally got the pictures and we figured out how to do that, I showed that. And the, and the pastor said to me, Pastor Ricardo, he said to me, how do you keep people awake? So the men sat down in number about 5,000, 11. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. That's the point of this. When you leave here today, when you spend time today, what God always does is give you an opportunity to give thanks. If you were prayed for today in a healing line, you should give thanks for that. Well, I don't feel any different. God doesn't say believe and receive after you feel better. He says, believe and receive, you'll feel better. Amen? Give thanks. If you were up here in this other line, had your finances prayed for, God doesn't say to you, well, make sure and give till you can't give no more and then I'll bless you. Nope, he blesses you beforehand. Believe and receive. Beforehand. Not, you know, you don't give thanks. So, again, the reason we're doing the offering at the end of the service today is for you to give thanks. Because that's what we're going to do. When you go home today and you answer the questions from your children about why the church service was this way, teach them to give thanks. 
thank you, Lord. I mean, you know, you saw Dean come up here. Dean Yers come up here. He couldn't hardly get his words out. He was so grateful for what God did compared to what the world might say was a pretty good chance of dying today. Right? When Logan, maybe you didn't know, Logan was, you know, I might have said something like, have you taken leave of your senses? Before this happened, but, but he went somewhere. Where did you go? Yeah, see, Georgia, what were you thinking? I know, sorry, I love you, man, but you're like a son, grandson to me. And I'm, what were you thinking? And he went, anyway, whatever, what were you riding? Saddle Bronx. Why? Anyway, <clears throat> this 2,000-pound horse pitched him up in the air and then stepped on him. Might have been able to see that coming. I don't know. <laughs> when you leave this place today, give thanks. Right? <laughs> That's what Jesus did. He set them down in groups of 50, according to one version. By the way, groups of 50 is a lot of groups of 50. He said, and when he had given thanks, one version said, he lifted up his face. He changed his perspective from what his disciples said they had. We don't have enough money and all we have is this little thing. He changed his perspective. What giving thanks does is changes your perspective on what you just went through. Do you get it? You got to change your perspective on what you just went through. Either new life and its pastor and its elders and the people who seem to enjoy what was going on are crazy or God needs to change our perspective. See, this is messy life for us. The people that Tracy and I prayed for over here have sincere held beliefs about God healing their bodies. What else should we do in a church service but give thanks for that? <coughs> Thank you, Lord. You say, well, I'm not sure I believe that. And, you know, I love Roger Moore. And Roger, I'm going to tell your story. I hope you're okay with that. He, he, he said, I'm not a front row person. You, can you hear Roger saying that? I'm not a front row person, but he walked up here with his cane and he's been through circumstances in life that make it sometimes difficult, just like all of us, to think healing's a real deal. And he's telling all this to me and he says, but I'm here and I want to be prayed for. I put it in my words, you know. Do, do you understand? We ought to give thanks for what God does in people's lives. Right? We had this, Miles, this young man, he got a serious looking cut on his hand. And his, his little sister brought him up in the line with his mom, Tammy, and, and uh, I forgot the little girl's name. Alora. Alora, and they came up, and, and Tracy's holding Miles' hand, and she looks at it, and it's got a big old gash on it right there. Well, he probably had a drug problem this morning. He was drug to the healing line. Right? Well, and then somebody noticed. Well, okay, let's pray for this. And of course, my, my wife was standing next to him. I just want you to know, she's kind of serious about this stuff. When we got started, I thought, I need to get this table behind me so that I can give her something to hold on to because she's shaking like a leaf, which, you know, we've been together a long time doing all this kind of stuff. When she shakes like that, it's because God's all over her. And so if you ever see her shaking like that, just come and ask her what you want God to do because he's right there. 
You say, how do you know that? Because I've had experience. (laughs) He'd given thanks, he distributed them. After giving thanks, he distributed. He made available to everybody what God had already done. He made available, God had already done it. In his heart, he knew, back to the first, whatever verse it was, I read seven, I think, that said he knew what he was going to do. If you're going to do what Jesus does, you're going to have to do it alike the ways that he did it. You got to know in your heart what God's going to do. You do that first. Jesus sat down, <coughs> excuse me, to pray. He knew what God was going to do. And so he gave thanks for what God had already done. Are you tracking with me? See, if you come to the church service, you might want to consider giving thanks before God does anything. Knowing that he's going to do something. Come with that expectation. Amen. Notice it says, <coughs> excuse me, sitting down and, and they gave uh, and the disciples distributed them to the disciples. I think this is fascinating. You give each one of the 12 guys a basket and there are groups of 50 and there are 5,000 men. So 100 groups of 50 men or 400 groups to equal 20,000. 400 groups sitting on a hillside, 50 at a time. 12 disciples, do the math. They can only serve a portion. Okay? And so Jesus breaks it, puts it on their little wicker basket or whatever they have, and they walk ever so tentatively down the hill. Because Jesus knew what he was doing, but they didn't know. That's us. That's us. The, 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 the wicker basket full of what Jesus has, we're the first ones to carry it. And we're going to the first group, and we've got one twelfth of five little barley cakes and two fish on our basket. And so we tentatively offer to the first group one fifth of a meal, one twelfth of a meal that was meant for a five year old. You ought to give thanks. Because see, when you join into that, your natural reasoning leaves. And you don't say this is just a meal that a five-year-old brought to the party. This is what God chose to use. We should give thanks. We should give thanks. He says he gave gave them, distributed to the disciples and disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish. As much as they wanted. Are you ready? Who controlled the miracle? As much as they wanted. So even us pleasingly plump guys who make buffet restaurants sweat got as much as they wanted. In fact, if you read the story, he said to the disciples, now go around and pick up what's left. And there were 12 baskets, whatever they were using, right? Whatever they were using, there was 12 of those left over. (laughs) And I got questions. Why doesn't God tell us what to do with the leftovers? Not even in the story. 12 baskets they pick up. 
And we don't have any concept of what they did with it. Let me tell you, give thanks because God intends to give to you more than you can ever possibly use yourself. So that when the 12 baskets of extra are picked up, you'll have something to give others who wonder what you just went through. You won't need to call Pizza Hut if there are 12 baskets of food left over. You'll be able to take one of those baskets, you and your group, and take it out and feed. I mean, I personally think they gave it to the little boy with a smile on their face. And he went back to his family because I know historically a barley loaf is a poor person's meal. They used barley and they dried it and baked it in the sun. And they dried it because when the kid ate it or anybody ate it and mixed it with some water, it swelled up in their stomach and made them feel full. This is, this is a poor person. These are dried little fish that they laid out on a, on, a, on, a, on a wicker thing in the sun to dry. These are little teeny sardines. Wouldn't it be exciting for this little boy to take his happy meal times 12 back to every little kid in his neighborhood? See, you're missing this if you don't think they, they gave it to the kid. What did the kid do? He went and said, you can't believe what happened. I was with these old people. And when it was all said and done, they stole my lunch. And after they stole my lunch, I was watching and everybody was eating my lunch. And when it was all said and done, they followed me to my town with these 12 baskets of food. See, that's a different old person than most of the kids ever experience. You ought to give thanks that your kids just experienced something that they may not be able to get any other place than a place where Jesus is hopefully followed. Because if you do things Jesus' way, you'll end up with Jesus' results. Your children just experienced 12 overflowing baskets. Let them take it home to their neighborhood and talk about what Jesus does in their midst. Maybe you're one of the kids and you came up in the line. You take some of it home. You share. If you were one of the people that came up and got communion as a marriage, take it home and share. Don't hide that from your family. Tell your family. Pray for us. Jesus has a plan for our marriage. If you're one of those people that came up in the healing line, Jesus didn't bring you this far to bring you this far. Amen. Right? Learn how to give thanks. Amen? Okay. Here's what we're going to do. I know that we probably have some extraordinary kids that were supposed to take up the offering. Is that correct? Where are you? Get, if, if four of you, each of you get a bucket, stand on each side of the doors here and here, and hold your bucket, look pitiful, <laughs> sad, there you go, get a bucket, two of you over here, we're not going to take up an offering, honey, I'm sorry, we're just going to stand there and, and at the back doors there, where are you going, man, you getting a bucket? Are you about taller than your dad? Not yet. You should give thanks. You probably should have got one for your sister. I don't know. All right, these, these precious kids. So here's, the, here's your activity. We're not going to sing. We're not going to do anything. I want you to take your offering. You say, I didn't bring an offering. We're not trying to guilt you into this. I told you already we didn't need your money. What we're trying to get you to recognize is this is an opportunity for you to give thanks. And so right now, if you have an offering, if you're, if you're prepared to give, just bow your heads with me. Take a hold of that. Take a hold of that, that offering that you're getting ready. Right? <clears throat> the Bible says you don't have anything God didn't give you.
So, Father, we give you thanks today for how you've multiplied our experience. We come before you today, Father, saying we are grateful for all that you do in our midst. And, Father, we're not giving because the church is poor. We're not giving because God needs our money. We're not giving because the church needs our money. We're not giving because the pastor needs to be paid. We're giving because you are are. You are so awesome. And we give back to you and we say, we thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being in our life. And we will give you thanks, hopefully continually, as we just recognize, Lord, in every bit of order that's in our life, it's preceded by a planned miracle and followed by a miracle. In our life. So Father thank you. In the, in the course of our life Father. You are giving us miracles. Day in and day out. And we give you thanks for it. In Jesus name. Amen and amen. Hey thank you so very much for, for, for dealing with us. Just as you go if you want to give. The kids are back there. They, they, really, they really won't uh, badger you for it. Just put it in and we'll go on about our merry way. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here today. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch sermon slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.